Changing minds one thought at a time. Greetings, everyone, and welcome to Changing Minds Online Empowering Women Series. How are you doing today, Jessica? I am awesome, Akina. It is a beautiful evening here in New York, wonderful weather. We are so blessed, and um, we are blessed to have an amazing guest on our show tonight. Can you uh, introduce her, Akina? Most definitely I will. Uh, this is Sarah Addison, leg a she strategist of Expand Your Heart, and she is going to talk to us today about charging what you're worth. So, Sarah, tell us why you decided to be the legacy strategist. Absolutely. Well, first, thank you guys so much for having me. I'm excited to be here with you and your audience tonight. Um, but the legacy strategist, that kind of found me. You know, I didn't find it. It was, um, I think, for everyone, it's the same We're here to teach what we had to learn. So for me, I had to learn how to charge what I was worth. I had to learn about my worth, and that's where it was born from, you know, my own personal journey. I had been in corporate for a while, and, you know, I've gone through the gamut of being a hero, and then I got a new boss, and I was a zero very quickly, And it was devastating for me because I really associated so much of my identity with my title and my bank account (laughs) and lots of other things. So that's um, kind of where it was born. That's um, that's amazing. And, you know, Sarah, one of the reasons why I'm so excited to have you on this call tonight is, you know, I was reading this article recently on Google, and it was really talking about the fact that, you know, in corporate world, and I'm glad you brought this up right away, there is like this glass ceiling where women only get paid a certain amount compared to men. I, I believe in, and you know, I think the number is right, but I think it's around 70%. I'm not 100% positive, but around women are still making only around 70% of men. And I do remember as a, even as a kid, I was working at Home Depot in high school, and there was a man who did the exact same, or gosh, I guess a kid, boy who did the same position as me, and I remember going to my boss and asking, well, why is he making more than I'm making? Because we, and um, after they recommended us for discussing our wages, she let me know it was because he was a man and men could do more physically than women. And, I mean, I was doing returns at Home Depot. I don't see what physically a man was able to do I couldn't do. But it, it kind of stuck with me. And you know, I became very interested and passionate about and really trying to make it so women are equal to men and that's part of our motivation for our retiring women series. But, you know, one of the things I was reading about and one of the things I think is really true and why I'm so excited to have you here tonight is women, we've made our own glass ceiling. And, you know, the same way that, you know, men are getting paid more businesses, women are not charging the same as men. We are actually charging that same 70% less. And, you know, what, and I know this is your field, this is your area of expertise and you know, this is something I'm only becoming familiar with recently. But why do women do this? Why are we not charging what we're worth? Um, you know, there are so many factors, and you touched on a couple of them. You know, you were a child when someone told you that because he was a man he, or a boy, you know, <laughs> that he was getting paid more. So as a child, that was already imprinted in you. And that comes, it's true for most of us. 
at a young age, someone told us that girls are smarter in this or boys are better in this or you shouldn't ask, you know, when you speak up, you got in tr- when you spoke up, you got in trouble for that. So those things that happened to us as a child and over a period of time throughout our childhood formed where we are today. You know, as a society, we have societal imprints, we have from our family, our teachers, all of those things are now coming out today when we're we're being, you know, mompreneurs or entrepreneurs and really trying to build our empire. And it's all showing up when we're charging. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So, you know, more importantly than how we got here, what can we do about it? Good question. <laughs> so the first thing is really to, to start doing the inner work. Um, I call it the heart work, not the hard work, because what I've learned is that the outer conditions, you know, our money, the clients we attract, everything, is really determined by us our, on the inside. Where we are as far as our sense of self-worth, that determines your self-worth. And it's directly related. And so many people don't realize that. So what you need to do is start working on you <laughs> and start loving all of you, the good, and I call it the not-so-good. And once you start to increase your own personal value with yourself, then you're going to feel more confident and more comfortable speaking up and asking for what you want boldly and then expecting it. That's amazing. And, you know, Akina, one of the things I think that is so interesting is, you know, we we have women that come on our show that always kind of, you know, we have different topics and they're not we're talking about your finances or organization or about charging what you're worth or, you know, getting healthy and making the right choices to change. You know, everything really comes down to that. And I like how you phrase it, um, Sarah, that hard work. You know, and, and, you know, this is a theme that we see over and over again and that we wind up talking about pretty much every week. And I know that we both have shared a lot of our um, a lot of our journeys about, you know, about how we have gotten to our story of self-worth. But this kind of reminds me of your story, Akina, and how you were once told there was something you couldn't do. And you had to overcome that, and you did change your self-worth. And can you give our listeners, our audience, a little bit um, about your story and how you managed to change your self-worth? Sure. I mean, mine, it's been a, a couple of experiences. I talked to you about being in corporate and how, I mean, really, <laughs> when I say zero, I mean zero. <laughs> so that really affected me, and I couldn't just, you know, walk away or leave at that time. So I really had to change how I related to myself, like I mentioned earlier. I had to change how I related to money and change how I related to my creator, who I call God, and other people may go by another name. And so I had to work on each relationship at a time, if that makes sense. You know, first I had to really you know, talk to my creator and just be honest and say if I was upset or mad or you know, frustrated and just really just let it all out there. And then also I had to surrender and ask for help and guidance and say, you know, I tried it my way and it didn't work. <laughs> so now I'm ready for whatever you have for me and let's do it your way and just completely surrender that. Um, 
with the money. I did not have a good relationship with money. I didn't have a healthy relationship. You know, when I was a child, I was actually a saver. I'm still a saver. But when <laughs> when I was saving my money as a child, I was told, what are you saving it for? You know, I was asked, what are you saving it for? Spend it. And so then, you know, message I got was that saving is wrong. So I did have a period where I went through retail therapy and kind of just blew for money for no reason. So then I had to look again at money as being a gift. And, you know, there's a spiritual relationship with money that people have heard and that affected me as well. You know, it's not money that's the root of all evil. It's the love of money that's the root of all evil. And so we we forget that part. (laughs) So when you make your bank account your source or you make anything outside of you your source, then things get confusing. And so that's really what I had to look at is that there was nothing outside of me that was going to make me better or, or worse, actually, that it all started with me. Yeah, and when we take yes. responsibility for where we are, it's powerful. Akina, you've had a similar story, right? With When you got your doctorate, I know you had to go through a period where you changed your self-worth as well. Um, why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Well, uh, when I was getting my uh, doctorate, I basically was told that, oh, you shouldn't have never done this, or, you know, if you weren't so far in, then I would have said, uh I would have never recommended you do this. And I knew in my heart that I was supposed to be a educator. I was supposed to be a professor, and this is what I was came here to do. And when they told me this, I was like, absolutely not, because, you know, I still have a little touch of single child syndrome, and I was always told that I could do whatever I wanted to do, and I didn't see me being different than a man or anything else, you know. And when people tell me that I couldn't do it, It really would set off the switch. (laughs) So immediately I went into action. And that same individual was the first person that was the first person that signed off on my paperwork, and he was the first person that had to call me doctor. And, you know, it may not mean a lot to, uh, to people, but to me it meant everything because you went from telling me, that I shouldn't do it to being the first person to congratulate me. And it just meant the world to me, you know. It's just a personal thing. Yeah, sometimes, you know, we have these kind of epiphany moments where we realize that there's a certain scripting or way that we think about ourselves that is not actually true and it's not real, but it's affecting us negatively. And, you know, I actually was able to identify, I had an epiphany myself today when I was running and, and I was doing this run, and I was listening to a podcast or a recording of a seminar I've actually attended. And at that seminar, I actually made the statement that I'm not good with math. And that may seem very harmless, but, um, you know, for me, um, and, and Sarah, like you said, I had, I had a very negative relationship with money, and I didn't manage money well for most of my early 20s. And, you know, it was due to my perception of the fact that I'm bad with math and bad with money. Anything to do with numbers turned me off. And when I was in, um, you know, when I was in high school, I actually had a experience, a very, very negative experience with a math teacher. And I was in an honors and math program, a gifted math program. And I had a very bad experience with this one person who had just told me essentially that I was very bad at math. 
that I should not be in his course. And, you know, he, um, and it was really became a self-fulfilling prophecy where I struggled with math after that. And, you know, my entire life I internalized that. I actually never took math when I was in college. Um, I only took one math course, and I was so afraid to take math at my college because I didn't want to mess up my 4.0 GPA. I took it in the summer school in a community college, so I knew I wasn't going to do well, so it wouldn't go against my transcript. And I actually wound up with 100 average in that math course. And, you know, I was running today, and I, I heard myself say that, and prior to my on, um, listening to that, because I did a long run today, you know, prior to listening to that seminar, I was listening to um, about scripting. I was listening to this, this book called The Mind-Body Code, and it talked about scripting and how we often really think about ourselves negatively in one area. And I remembered something that I had not remembered in many years. And that is that when I was in seventh grade, I actually placed in the top number three student in all of New Jersey in an actual math competition. And I realized, you know, I'm not bad at this. This is a lie that someone told me that I believed and I internalized, and it has affected me negatively until today. You know, and I was able to say, you know what, I am more valuable than this, and I'm going to reject this lie that was told to me, and I'm no longer going to internalize it. I'm no longer going to define myself by someone else's perception that's not real. And, Sarah, I think that this is really comes back to this whole um, conversation about self-worth and charging what you're worth. You know, like you said, people need to realize that they are of value and that their services are of value, and they need to charge for that accordingly. You know, when you put out into the universe that you're only worth a certain amount, then you're only going to receive that, that amount from the universe. So, you know, if you value your time and you want to attract abundance into your life, then you need to value yourself at what you're worth. So, um, you know, and Akeen and I have both taken a course with Susan Sly recently, and she always says that, you know, if you want to be a millionaire at a 40-hour work week, your time is worth $500 an hour. So if you want that, then you need to value your time at that. And, you know, Sarah, what do you think of that? You know, how does that, like, resonate with you? Yes, I agree totally, Um, especially you see it with service-based professionals, right? If you're a service-based professional and you're a woman, it's like, whoa. (laughs) We automatically, you want, we often... I hear as people say, you know, I I just want to make my rates afford. I want to be affordable. I want it to be affordable. Well, to me, that's a dirty word <laughs> because when you say affordable, and like you said, with your time, they don't go together. That's where you create products, and that's how I work with people. I actually help service professionals to create digital products so that they can make those affordable. That's where you can do your $10 or your $50 or whatever you want to do. But with your one-on-one time, that needs to be highly valued, and you should charge for your knowledge, for your experience, for your pain, for your tears. All of that gets factored in, or should get factored in, and many times we don't. You know, when you're a service professional, especially if you're a solopreneur, you are your greatest commodity, but more importantly, you're limited. We're only here for a limited amount of time, and when you're gone, you know, we want your business, your legacy to continue, and so for that to happen, you have to charge what you're worth. You have to make it so that the next generation and the next generation after you can can continue on. 
Yeah, oftentimes, you know, women... Sorry, go ahead, Akina. I was just going to say that's a powerful statement, you know. Women don't really realize that they're paving the way for the next generation. You know, most of the time when we're making decisions, we're just thinking about the decision that we have to make now. But we're not thinking that it's going to impact others who are following behind us. And if we think like that when we're making a decision, I think that many of us would shift in our uh, thinking because uh, there are women who paved the way for us. And we should always give back and do the same thing. So I definitely appreciate that statement you just made. Thank you. Yeah. Absolutely. And, you know, the thing is that with women, and, and now especially with women's empowerment, you know, and Akina and I have discussed this as well, you know, when we, we've discussed some projects we're working on and, and, you know, eventually what we'll charge for those products or for our services. And we discussed, you know, at first we said, well, we want to make it really affordable. And we, we did have that mentality you know, that you're talking about. Um, and then, you know, it kind of hit us and it dawned upon us, well, rather than making it so it's affordable where women are, let's work to lift up women so they can afford it. And, and that's really what I think women's empowerment is all about. It's, it's really a, not about saying, well, listen, let's bring the cost down to where we are. It's, no, let's raise up a bit. Let's teach women that you can create abundance in your life. It doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter where you started. It doesn't matter what you have. You can attract anything into your life that you want. It is no, you know, I actually, on my run today, I actually found $11 on the floor. And it was actually ironic because I was thinking about the fact I wanted to go to the drugstore and pick up something I needed. And um, I was, you know, I didn't want to have to walk to my house first. But I was saying I didn't have my wallet on me. I just had thrown my keys and my hydration pack and my cell phone. And, you know, I was thinking that would be really nice if I had the money to go um, to pick up what I needed at, at CVS. And, um, and lo and behold, I found $11 on my run, and what I needed to buy was $10. So it was um, just enough money to cover what I needed with tax. And I got it, and I picked it up, and I brought it back to my house, and I was able to use it. Um, and I didn't have to go back, walking back and forth. And, you know, it just kind of goes to show, and, and I truly believe that I attracted that. I prayed for that, and God responded, and he gave it to me. And, you know, it is no more difficult for God to give you $11 or $11 million than it is for him to give you $11. You know, it is all the same. And it really just comes down to what you believe and specifically, what do you believe you're worth? Because you will attract what you believe you're worth into your life. Whatever your income is right now, that's how much in the past you valued yourself. Yes. And, I mean, even just look around your house. Everything you have, you, you manifested that. That came from you. You said you wanted that TV when you saw it in, on the commercial or in the store. And so because you said that, then the universe found a way to make it happen. The, the clothes in your closet, the shoes on your feet, everything has been manifested by us. So imagine if you were actually thinking about what you wanted more instead of what you don't want. You know, all of that plays into hand. You found $11, what you needed cost 10 You really have, and it's true for all of us, we will always have more than enough. You'll always have everything you need, and it will be provided to you when you need it. That's how it works. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And like you bring up a really great 
point about like kind of us thinking about what we don't want. And, you know, this is really a topic, again, we've discussed and it's a little bit off, um, off topic, but, you know, when you think that you want something and you think that you don't want something, it kind of vibrationally just goes into the universe the same way. You're really just thinking, you know, every every object, every item has or every kind of state of being has a certain vibrational frequency. And when we think about it, we are admitting or that or transmitting that frequency into the universe. So think about what you don't want. You will actually attract what you don't want into your life. So I always think, or I always try, and I do a lot of work to always think in the positive. So, you know, I instead of thinking I don't want to be unhealthy or I don't want to have X, Y, and Z disease, I think about I want complete health. I think about what that means to me. You know, I want to be able to run. I want to be able to lift weights. I want to wake up and have energy. You know, I don't want to be, or I want to, you know, there we go. I, I just did it right there. I don't want. And that's the thing that's so easy to talk about what we don't want. And, you know, especially when it comes to our worth, many times women are talking about, I, you know, I don't want to be poor. I don't want to not be able to provide for my family, rather than thinking, I want abundance. And it makes a big difference. It does. And, you know, even looking at your ideal client or customer, don't talk about you don't want freebie chasers. Talk about you want someone that can pay, that is willing, ready, and able to pay for your services. All right, you want the people that are ready. You don't just want customers. You don't just want clients. You want people that are ready to take action and that have the money to do so and that will refer you to three other people. That's what you want. That's what you want to talk about. That's what you want to visualize. That's what you want to feel. How would that feel if you had that customer, your ideal client? You know, don't think about the people that don't pay or don't show up on time. You really have to, to stay in the zone of abundance. I agree. I agree. So when you've done the hard work, because I remember uh, you mentioned doing the hard work, what's the next step to getting what, uh, charging what you're worth? Now you know that you are worth it, what do you, what's the next uh, thought that we should be patterning? So now you want to start charging for it, right? You want to start asking for it. You want to put it out into the universe. So if that's um, many times, you know, for women especially, we don't just start a business to start a business to make money, right? We're not just doing it just to do something. We're doing it because we want to make a difference. We want to make a change. We want to impact someone somehow. So when you're doing that, and usually it's going to be something that comes easily to us. So you do you need to share your spiritual gifts freely but they can't be for free. <laughs> so that doesn't so you can't give your sister and your cousin and all these people discounts and hookups and you know all all the beta testing that goes on for like 12 months or whatever. It shouldn't be that long. So you have to whatever that is, getting a business card made or posting something or just make an announcement, you know, let the world know that you're open for business and the universe will start to respond to you. Yeah, and, you know, it's really true that successful people actually don't really value other people's time. And if you're actually, like, reaching into your network to get things done for free, what it really demonstrates is that you don't value your time and you don't value someone else's time. You know, a lot of times, like, people will say, well, let me reach into my network and see if I can find someone who knows how to make business cards and, you know, we will, I'll get a business card for free and that will save me money in my business investment. You know, what that really tells the universe or tells God or tells the world and really 
you know, shines through in your business is I don't value my network. I don't value their time, and I don't value my time. Because if you valued your time, you would be willing to pay for someone else's time. You know? Um, so on that note, um, you know, I wanted to bring up one more thing. And we're almost out of time, so I want to bring this up before uh, the call you know, finishes tonight. But for people who are on this call who were touched by you and are saying, you know what, you're right. I am valuable. I'm not charging enough. But they're afraid that if they charge more, their customers are going to leave them. What would you say to that individual? Um, some will. <laughs> you know, some will. Uh, so I, I will tell them the truth. That's true. No matter what you're charging, there will always be someone that cannot afford it or thinks that they cannot afford it. So with that being said, don't let that hold you back because you may lose people, but you can't attach that again to the quality of your services and, or your business or your self-worth. It has nothing to do with that. If you lose them, that's fine. They weren't meant to be. You know, a lot of times people get attached to even unsubscribes on their list. Those people, when I see an unsubscribe, I'm like, great. <laughs> now that leaves more room for the people that are supposed to hear my message, that I'm supposed to serve. So always keep in mind that whatever leaves will always be replaced by something new and better. Yeah, absolutely right. You know, when something when something bad or some sort of like bad thing or we lose something somehow in our lives, it always shows up better in another place. You know, so if we, you know, lose, even if we lose a loved one, you know, when we attract new relationships into our lives, if we lose something of value, something more of value will show up somewhere else. And it's about, like you said, being open to all possibilities and it's about just looking around you and seeing what there is that's good. And just knowing, like you said, if someone unsubscribes, then you know you're reaching your ideal customer, and they weren't your ideal customer anyway. So, you know, if you lose someone who wasn't your ideal customer, better for you, because now you know you're targeting your real audience. Exactly. <laughs> Very good. Well, I know, Akina, is there anything you want to add before we wrap up our call tonight? It's almost um, at that time. Uh, yes, uh, Sarah. What takeaway do you want the audience to know? Hmm. One takeaway. Uh, I think again that your your self worth and your net worth are directly related, and if you want to increase your net worth, then you've got to do do the work, do your hard work, and you really um, you're going to have to go deep, and it may not always be you know it's not going to be pretty and easy and nice. You're going to have to go back to your childhood, go back to some relationships that didn't work out, and you're going to have to forgive is the biggest part of it. Yeah, that forgiveness is so important. Yeah, it's beautiful. And everyone, you know, I want you to look into the mirror tonight before you go to bed and just say, I forgive myself. It's, it's a beautiful exercise. I've done it before. And you'll wake up feeling refreshed, ready to go, and ready to charge with your words. And can I add to that, um, you know, not even just saying I forg forgive yourself, that's part of it, but say I forgive myself and I did the best I could at the time with the information that I have. So now you're totally freeing yourself of anything, and you give yourself permission to have made mistakes. Yeah, absolutely. 
Absolutely, that's powerful. And I would well, like to offer. Bad news. Oops, go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, if any of your listeners, I do actually have a free heartwork e-course that they can sign up for on my website, and that will help anyone that's ready to get started. If they're ready to take the first step in inspired action, they can just go to expandyourheart.org, and everything's spelled out. That's awesome. Thank you for putting that out there for our listeners. And, you know, feel free to send us a link over to that, and we'll throw it up um, on the site next to our call. So if you want to hear this call again, if you want to find out more about that e-course, you you can go to www.changingmindsonline.com, and it will be there for you, the link. Um, Of course, you can always um, check out Sarah's site as well. It's, It's amazing. Some of her work is really great. I've been on her site before, and I loved it. That's why we put her on the show. So thank you so much for, um, you know, coming on tonight and sharing this with us. Um, You know, we really appreciate you. Oh, thank you so much. I'm honored to be here. Okay. Well, something something that uh, Sarah Addison said today touched your heart, please go to uh, changeyourmindsonline.com iTunes or Podomatic and get your copy of this webinar and, you know, really take in everything she said because tonight was powerful. Yeah, absolutely, guys. You know, on that note, we love you. Have a great night. Thank you for listening to our show tonight. God bless. And we'll see you again on Sunday. Good night. Good night.